how's everyone doing today? Good, good. I hope you're uh, ready for a sermon today. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, uh, starting with about verse 12. And uh, I told Bill earlier in the week, I always try to give him my scripture, and, and he selects songs kind of based off of that. And uh, I told him we're going to be starting with verse 12, going all the way to to verse 28, which would conclude our study in 1 Thessalonians. And then I got to writing down everything that is written in this section of scripture. And I got down to at least 13 different things that were asked to do. And I thought, there's no way I can preach this all in one time, in one session. So sometimes, uh, sometimes preachers are anxious to go into the next book. Uh, but really, we need to stop and take a look at this because there's so many good things. He's, he's taught us doctrinally about what a church should be, and he's, Paul has taught the church doctrinally about the rapture and mentioned about the second coming and to be prepared for that. And then really in, in this section that we're looking at today, he begins to tell us, well, this is how a rapture-ready church continues to work. <laughs> And so we cannot, you know, really skip over this. We can't, we can't take it too lightly. So I've kind of whittled all those verses down to two verses I want to talk about today. <laughs> so it's the first two. Um, and so that's why the title of this is Honor Your Leaders. And I have to admit that when I saw these two verses and I thought, well, I'm going to have to preach about this, I, I cringed a little bit because basically I'm preaching about myself. I am preaching to you about how you are supposed to honor me. And that, that's kind of a weird feeling. Because I think anyone who's probably a pastor or a leader or an elder in the church, you know, the last thing they want to try to do is draw attention to themselves. And so it's, it's a little bit cringeworthy that I'm doing this. But I, I do think it's a good idea for us to slow down and go through some of these. And it, it won't be 13 weeks. I'm not saying that. It'll be a couple more weeks that we take in the, verse, uh, in the book of 1 Thessalonians. But don't we want to get everything that we can that God wants to say out of this for us? And so that's why we're going to slow down and, and take it through these and talk about them. You know, it's kind of ironic, and it wasn't planned, that we talked about honoring God this morning in Sunday school. And now we're speaking about how we can honor our leaders. And by leaders... Of course, we have several different lead leaders in our church, right? We have deacons, we have Sunday school teachers, we have uh, that whole list, you know, of, of leaders that we vote on every year. All of those are leaders. But I have to be honest with you, in particular, this focuses mostly on pastors. It fo focuses mostly on pastors, on what we would call pastors or elders or overseers. And we'll even get into what those uh, names mean a little bit. So uh, let's go ahead and, and read today's scripture, and uh, then we'll just kind of dive into it after that. So if you have your scripture, uh, Bill's, he's making a move to, to stand. Are you going to stand, Bill? No, you can stand. Let's go ahead and stand. Even though it's just two verses. It'll be a good reason to get up, get our circulation going once again. Leroy's up here stretching back and forth, so it was time to do that. But let's honor, honor God's word by reading this together 
and then we'll talk about everything that we can to get out of this. But Paul says, you know, he says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to examine these verses and the, the opportunity that we have, the freedom that we have to slow down a little bit and go through uh, these 13 things that we need to talk about over a, a period of weeks. And we look forward to you teaching us. We look forward to you revealing new things uh, about ourselves and about the Bible so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. You have called us to be a special people. You have called us to be a um, priest, in a sense, interceding uh, between sinful man and yourself and bringing them the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we, we need help. We need guidance from you. We need empowerment through your Holy Spirit. And I pray that through preaching today and the next couple of weeks that we would just feel an increase in our desire to serve you, our desire to witness about you, and our desire uh, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so teach us now from your word. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I can, I can tell you right up front, you know, what this sermon is all about because it's, it's very plain in the text what it's about. But it's that we are to show respect and honor in love for those who labor in the Lord for our sake. And we all have people like that. You, some, most, you have me here as a pastor, but I have had pastors in the past whom I love and respect, and they've invested their life into my life, and it's probably the reason why I am where I am at here today. And so I want to stop just a little bit and do just a little bit of background and I know when I say background, maybe your eyes glaze over and you think this is going to be really, really boring. But it won't be very long. It won't be very long. But different churches, I don't know if you know, are set up with different types of leadership within them based upon their denomination. So like for the Roman Catholic Church, uh, they don't have pastors like we do and deacons like we do. They have those positions but the way that they govern themselves is different. And so if you're looking on the back page of this, you'll, back page of your turnout uh, handout, you should have some little drawings of a church and little people and names by them. So I'm gonna explain kind of where we're at as compared to some other denominations. So uh, Episcopalian churches, and those would be churches like Roman Catholic Church, obviously the Episcopalian Church, Methodist Church, Wesleyan churches. They have this type of church government. They have what is called a hierarchical type of church government. In other words, there is a person who's over a church, but then there is a person higher up who is, has maybe 10 churches underneath him that he is responsible for and you might call them a bishop, and then you have uh, cardinals, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, who are over the bishops, and then you have the Pope, the Pope who is over all of those. That's called an Episcopalian type of church government or leadership. That is, that's not what we have, okay? And a lot of churches uh, will disagree on what is the best, 
Uh, obviously, we think one of them is best other than the Episcopalian, but then there's a Presbyterian type of church government or leadership, and that's where a body of elders has responsibility for a group of church. And you may have heard people call, talk about a synod, especially in the Presbyterian church. That's what that is. That's where several elders are over several different churches. And then they also, above the synod, they have what they call an assembly. And that might be a whole denomination of Presbyterian churches. We are not that either. We are not Presbyterian. We are congregationalists. We are this very last one where we see individual churches who have individual pastors and a church congregation who has a say-so by their voting, right? So that's what we have. We have a pastor. Uh, and you could have more than one pastor in the church. I don't know if you realize that, but many Baptist churches who are larger in size have multiple pastors. Sometimes they call them elders uh, because it's a lot of responsibility for one person, right? <laughs> so in a large church, it's a lot of responsibility for one pastor to be uh, the spiritual representative for the whole church. And so uh, some larger churches elect to have more than one elder and one pastor. Now, uh, as Congregationalists, we call our own pastors, right? We call our own pastors because we are what is called an autonomous church. Christian churches would be in this category as well. And so, other churches, like for instance, you may know some people who are Methodist. Methodists do not select their own pastor, typically. They have someone up above them who will assign a pastor. So those are just some differences, but we are congregationalists, and it means that we have a pastor or pastors who is over the spiritual leadership of the church. We also have a congregation uh, who uh, keeps the pastor in line by their voting, by how they vote. And also within Congregationalist Church, we also, we also have a, a group called our deacons, and we have deacons, Leroy is a deacon, Don is a deacon, Tony Prosser is a deacon. And they serve as, the way I see them serving is uh, they are to serve for the physical needs of the church, but they also, as a body, are like a second elder for me, <laughs> if that makes sense. If someone, when spiritually I have a question about the vision of the church or which way the church could go, I can go to them and ask them, what do you think about this as a, as a deacon? What do you see about, what do you think about this? So enough about church governments. We are congregational and the point I wanted to make about that and why I shared that is that in Episcopalian type church, you will see different people, one who is a, maybe a priest or a pastor, one who is a bishop, one who is a maybe cardinal. You might have someone who's called an overseer. And then in the Roman Catholic Church, there is the pope. But in, in the Congregationalists, in our church in particular, we have one person who is an elder, pastor, overseer, and elder. We interpret all those names as referring to the pastor. Does that make sense? <laughs> I hope that makes sense. And I hope, that's, I hope that's what you agree with because that's typical in most Southern Baptist churches. Uh, the pastor 
elder, overseer, shepherd are all one, one person or one office. And so that, that's really important in uh, talking about what we're talking about here today. Okay, so enough about that background. We are to show respect and honor for those who labor in the Lord for our sake. We'll read the scripture again. It says, we ask you brothers to respect those or to know those, the King James Version says, who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So we know that we're supposed to honor and respect our pastors, but why are we to do that? Is there anything in the scriptures that tells us why we are supposed to esteem so much favor and honor upon them? Well, I think that there is. But first of all, there's some things that we're not to respect necessarily. Things that don't necessarily come into this equation are personality. You know, personality should not de dictate how you honor a person. You know, some people are naturally more outspoken. Some people are naturally more reserved. It's not that personality trait is the reason why we respect and honor them. It's not even education necessarily, right? I mean, most of you know I have a seminary degree, but that doesn't mean, uh, that doesn't cause me to be honored more than someone uh, who is also like me, who kind of slogged through uh, the Bible on his own and studied the Bible on his own. And you see what I'm saying? I mean, you've had pastors here in the past who have no seminary education and they have done an excellent job. You are a testimony to that. And so education is good. You know, there's a certain amount of, uh, I guess, goodness that comes from higher education. You know, it's definitely something good but it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is more deserving of respect. So what are some things for which we should respect our leaders? Uh, some of these are in the text today and some are taken from text from other places in the Bible. But first thing I had down is uh, their character. So if you're writing in your outline, you might write their character. Things for which we are to respect our leaders. The Bible actually gives character guidelines for uh, one who is to be an elder or a pastor. First Timothy chapter three talks about his, he says, therefore an overseer, which could be uh, translated as a bishop or could be translated as an elder or a pastor. Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And it goes on, but we don't necessarily need to talk about all of those, but the character of a pastor is very important, right? That's why we take so much care when we draw, call a pastor to a church to make sure we get a good one, right? So that should be your goal. If, if for you know, sometime I should ever leave in the future or pass away or something like that, you would have to call another pastor, and so you would go to these qualifications and look at those and pick a good pastor based upon his character. Uh, he must have a good reputation. He must be steady. He must be mature. These are also repeated in Titus chapter 1 as well. So first of all, their character, but also their work, their labor among you. And I wrote down here that I think it's good for a pastor 
for an elder to have a good work ethic, to have a kind of a do-it-all attitude. And we know from Scripture that my, my main priority is to teach and to preach. Uh, in fact, in uh, the early church, uh, there were so many people who needed help and who needed teaching and instruction, and there were widows who needed help, that that was the reason why the first deacons were called, right? So they were called to be servants, to take some of the burden off of the pastors and teachers so that they could spend time teaching and preaching rather than serving and waiting tables. But I still think it's good for a pastor to want to be involved in all of that, right? <laughs> to, to kind of have what I call a do-it-all attitude. I have to be careful what I do. The pastor has to be careful to make sure that his prior priority is being done, which is study and teaching and preaching the gospel. But I, I, I want to be a pastor, and I think you would want to have a pastor who's also involved in outreach, who's involved in uh, praying and prayer meetings and involved in the association, all those different things. And so they were respected because of the work that they were doing among them. Also, Paul happened to be a bivocational preacher, right? He, he not only preached the message of the gospel, but he also worked alongside making tents and had his own business. And so he was a person who kept busy, and I think a pastor is someone who should keep busy as well. We should honor them for that. Number three, if you're going down through the list, another reason for why we should respect your, our leaders is that they have oversight over the members of the church. That's why they are called overseers or bishops. They have oversight over the members of the church. I bear responsibility for the members of this church, okay? I bear responsibility for their spiritual maturity and well-being, and someday I will give an account for that. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.17 says, let the elders who rule, that's spiritual authority, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so Paul is saying in there, he's saying, they're already preaching and teaching, let them rule well as well. And because of all these responsibilities, they should have a double honor. 1 Peter 5.2 says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. This is a, shows the attitude. You can see this message is for me as well as you guys. Because as I go through this, I'm thinking, you know, am I living up to that? Is God calling me to step up in this area? And so it says that I am to shepherd the flock that is among you and exercise oversight. I'm not supposed to do it by compulsion. In other words, the, the impetus or the reason that I do it is not because I'm being pushed by other people to doing it, but this is something that I want to do willingly and eagerly. And so if you are thinking out there, some, sometime, some of you may be thinking, well, could I ever be a pastor? Would God ever call me a, to be a pastor? Just remember that exercising this oversight, it's not under compulsion. You don't do it because you want to feel honored, but you do it willingly and you do it eagerly. It's not for the money. 
And he says that because it's not for shameful gain, but we're to do it eagerly. It's for a love for the people and a love for God. And so we are to honor them because of their oversight of the members of the church. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end as well. We just got a couple more. We're to respect them and honor them because of their admonishing. And think of admonishing just as another word for teaching. It's a little bit stronger word than encouragement. You know, you may encourage somebody and it, it gives them and uplifts them during the day, but admonishing is a little bit stronger than that. It's admonishing might be correcting someone as well. But the basic idea is that they teach. And the whole purpose for the pastor comes from, I think, Colossians 1.28. And Paul there, he says, Him we proclaim, speaking of Jesus Christ, it's Jesus Christ whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So that is my, that is my mandate, is that me here as your pastor am here to make sure that all members of the church are mature in Christ. And that is a humbling experience. Realize that we have over 200 people on our membership rolls. <laughs> you know, whether they are here today or not, we have over 200 people on our membership rolls. That's why our, our covenant wisely up here says that at the very end, if you are to move to another church, God is leading you to another Southern Baptist church, you're moving, uh, you end your membership here and you become members at that place. Because our membership role, as it grows and grows and grows, there's no way that I can take care of 200 plus some people. You see the wisdom in that? of always being part of a local church. And uh, I know, it, I know it's, uh, it's tempting to move away and want to keep your membership here, but uh, look at the wisdom of Holly Stallard. I mean, Holly, Holly comes to me, and I don't think she would mind me telling this, but she comes to me about uh, being a member here, but also being a member at a church up in Champaign where she was attending school. She obviously can't attend both churches and yet she wanted to come back here during the summer and help with vacation Bible school but during the school year she wanted to be a member of her church up there so that she could minister and and work with them and and I told her I thought that was fine for a short period of time but that when she was able to that she would move her membership and she did that recently she moved her membership up there. So in one sense, she'll always be a member here, but uh, in a very real sense, she is now a member of Redeemer's Church in Champaign-Urbana. So, so, yeah. So we want to be obedient to the verse that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so James says, let not many of you become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we'll be judged with a greater strictness. So you have probably heard this verse if you are a teacher in Sunday school. Uh, you, should hear, you should hear that. You're hearing it now. But it, it applies, uh, I think, especially to pastors as well. 
that not many of us should become pastors or teachers because we will be judged with a greater strictness. And so we take it very seriously uh, when we say that we are trying to bring everyone to maturity in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we just read that. But let's read it again. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So number five, the fifth reason why we should respect our leaders. They're, we should respect them because of their great responsibility slash accountability. Their great responsibility slash accountability. And I, I left one of the most sobering verses for the last. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17. Listen to this. <laughs> Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do with this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be, no, would be of no advantage to you. And I think about this verse all the time. I don't talk about it very much. Because we as pastors are not supposed to be domineering over you as well. You remember that verse? I can't remember where it's at off the top of my head, but uh, I think it was back in 1 Peter uh, 5.2. But we are not supposed to domineer over you, but we are supposed to lead you. And so... Let me read that again. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And what I think that means is that when a pastor, especially your pastor, speaks to you, listen. Listen to what he says. He is supposed to be speaking the very words of God to you. It's God speaking to you through the pastor. So listen to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I do not want to lose any sheep. I have a, I have a flock that God has given me. It's, it's probably, if you count over 200, it's more than I can handle myself. Uh, part of it is, you know, people have left and gone to other churches. People have moved and joined other churches. But it bears upon me, each and every one of those bears upon me, and I will have to give an account for them. I do not want to lose any sheep. And so I'm going to conclude by giving you some ideas about how can you show respect and honor uh, your pastor. And by the way, as I preach this, I have no objection or any complaint at all about how this church has treated me have treated me so well and have honored me so well. But how can we show respect and honor? I think the second part of that verse 13 would be at the top of the list. Be at peace with each other. Be at peace with each other. There is nothing more upsetting to a pastor than when the flock is not getting along with each other. So be at peace with each other. Submit to what the Bible says and be at peace with each other. Forgive one another. Second one I had down is listen well. And by listen well, I mean when I 
speak when I preach, listen actively. That's why I give you these little sheets. These little sheets help you to listen actively. It helps you by writing things down to remember them better and to really pay attention to what God is saying to you through me. The, message, the messages that I give are just for Freedom Baptist Church in a sense. I mean, there are hundreds of good preachers you can listen to. I listen to preachers. I listen to John MacArthur. I listen to John Piper. I listen to Dave Platt. I listen to Matt Chandler. I listen to Adrian Rogers. Uh, I listen, I read sermons by Spurgeon. All of them are good, but they're not pastor for Freedom Baptist Church. I would recommend that you listen to them. But listen especially to the pastor whom God has given to you as his charge. And take notes. Listen well and take notes. And then consider well. Think over what has been said. Take some time Sunday afternoon on the Lord's Day to consider what the pastor has said. How, what difference is it going to make in your life? What are you going to do differently? Next thing I had down was to question well. So listen well, consider well, question well. You will be held accountable as well. Did you know that? <laughs> It's not just the pastor who's held accountable, but each soul has accountability before God and will give, will stand before the Lord and, and they will be held accountable. And so question well, and by question I mean there has got to be questions out there about what I preach about, but I rarely get questions about what I preach about. There, there's got to be questions about, that you have about yourself of well, how am I doing spiritually? Am I growing in the faith? Am I, am I on the path that God wants me to be on? There's got to be questions that you have about certain doctrinal statements that I, that I say. But maybe, you know, I would think that there would be a lot more questions about that. I love questions. I like trying to answer questions, give biblical answers to those. And I will be honest with you as well. So listen well, uh, consider well, question well, and then reconsider well again. <laughs> After you've had your questions answered, reconsider that away again. And then finally, obey well. Obey. You know, if what I says makes sense, obey what God's word says, and your life will change. Your life over a period of time will change, and you will grow and become stronger. And it may even grow quicker so that we can do more in this lifetime, right? You know, we talk about making disciples and we act as though making a disciple takes 40, 50 years to make a disciple. It does not take 40, 50 years to make a disciple. It takes about maybe three to six months to make a disciple. Someone who can re reproduce their life and share the gospel with someone else and bring them to faith. And so honor your pastors well you know whoever they are whether it's me or whether it's someone else in the future we still honor our pa past pastors well don't we we still honor Jimmy and and Jim Beam and those who have gone in the past and so listen well consider well question well and obey well Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for 
your words and it's difficult for me to speak about myself but it's ultimately it's not about me it's about you it's about the glory that you receive from a church that is being conformed to the image of Christ and it's also not about me but it's about the flock it's about are they receiving the spiritual growth and maturity that they need in order to do the work that you have assigned for them to do you've called us to go and make disciples um, I pray that we would be that church and we do it because the flock is growing as they are being fed by the pastor help us to know what to do with this passage um, help us to meditate upon it and we ask you to do your work as well we pray that if there's a person here who does not know Christ that they would come up and talk to me about what it means to become a Christian to have your sins forgiven to be given the promise of eternal life we pray also for those who may have questions about church membership or baptism uh, I will be up front as we close God we pray that your will would be done here today we ask all these things in Christ's name amen, amen.